2: Welcome to MindShifters Radio, I'm Tim Hayes, I'm your host for the first hour, and today is Monday, January 9th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or in the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you choose to do that before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon If you choose to tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope that people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives when they apply these tools in their lives. And secondarily, because it also tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we'd appreciate it if you would do that. You can either call us on the show live at 563-999-3581, or you can email. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org or you can email genie at j-e-a-n-i-e at org. That's W H Y A G A I N.org. If we get an email from you, we will address your comment or question on the show and then, as time allows, send you a note letting you know what day and time it was addressed, so you can go back through your the archives and listen to the response. And um, we greatly appreciate when people do that, either through email or phone call, because it helps us live into our intention with this show. Our intention with this show is to be a service, and uh, it's far easier for us to be a service when we know how the things we're doing are landing with you. Is it uh, beneficial? Is it right on target? Uh, Do you have some specific thing going on in your life you would like support with? Is there something about the worksheet process that's baffling? Any of these... um, would be good reasons to call in and ask for support, and we would appreciate it, because it helps us zoom in and be on target and be of most effective use. We are at the point now where we have finished reading every part of the Way of Mastery, many parts of it, most multiple times, and the last few chapters, we've only read once each, I think it was 33 and 34 and 35, that we didn't go back and review, simply because it seemed to me like, uh, as I was reading, I was hearing you know, lots of different people commenting in my head over the years about how And Michael Ray likes to quote one of the the issues from the scripture where they said, "So Yeshua, how can we do what you do and He said, "Well, just study as long and as hard as I have and understand everything I've understood, and you'll have the same access to the same wisdom and and um and it's reported in the scripture as a story that when he told them that whether you want to think about this as you know a myth and, and and having deeper meaning or not or a literal story that more than half the followers said that's too hard and so that's what was going on in my mind when I decided well we'll just read these one each because the fact of the matter is very few of us are at the level where we've read and reread and done the the exercises and it really brought ourselves to the point where we're even willing to start living as a true master. And um, that may or may not be right. That's just what you know struck me. And since people weren't piping up and saying one thing or another that they would like to do, um, I went ahead and just read through those and then moved on to the next one. And... We did have somebody last Friday who said, Hey, I'd like to read that that last lesson again. So in uh in lieu of anybody else or because no one else has spoken up and because it's exactly what we're asking for, feedback and input, I um I will go back and reread lesson thirty five and lesson thirty five in the way of mastery is really lesson 11 in the way of knowing. Area code 541, you're in the air. Area code 541,
3: is this the link? Hello, I'm here. (laughs) Yes, it is. I just um, uh, feel fine for you to go ahead and repeat the chapter. I just wondered when it's convenient for you. I'd like to go through a worksheet I did when it's good for you in light of
2: the show and reading. There, if you can speak up a little bit, um, there's no time like the present. You're you're a little soft, oh. and I've turned my volume way up. So.
3: Okay, let me turn mine all the way. I hope that's better. I may have to get my speaker cleaned out. I'm not sure. So just let me know if I'm not loud enough. (laughs) I did, um, I think, his latest uh, worksheet on um, waking up and feeling a fear or panic of lack and harm. And so I thought I would share that with you and you could guide me a little bit.
2: All right, go uh, right ahead.
3: So, okay, I, Celinda, who I'm love, uh, am experiencing fear and panic of lack and harm. And then I went on to um, my story, my reality is that I, Celinda, reacts in fear, panic, and panic due to the rising costs Of uh, all expenses Especially food uh, In light of our limited budget Um, And um, you know Survival issues It's uh, bringing up my survival issues Or how we're going to um, Keep body and soul together If prices go through the roof Um, I realize that only my thoughts Cause my emotional upset So I will take a big breath, and the thought um, that causes feeling is that I'm a victim of the collapsing world around me, and I want to punish myself by throwing myself under my survival bus, and um, I willingly uh, have, I've willingly checked off all of the uh, blocks on um, releasing the energies from my generations and relations and I'm willing to go through the physical, mental, and emotional symptoms of healing. Um, my trigger, myself, actually uh, what came up for checking the box of I willingly go through the physical, mental, and emotional symptoms of healing came up um, a feeling within me of, I don't like discomfort. I guess I can join the human race, right? <laughs> that
2: one. Well, you just thought- said a feeling, uh, just a minute, you just said a feeling came up, and then you said, yeah. I don't like discomfort.
3: Oh, okay, sorry, a thought came is,
2: up. Is, <laughs> is Yeah, that's like a thought. A thought. Right right, right right and 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 you're still quite soft. Is there a way to speak louder or put the phone closer to your mouth?
3: Um, I can try. Is this better not really. Well, I think I'm gonna to have to take my phone in then
2: um,
3: have you is there anything you need to ask me about what I've said already
2: well what what's the feeling that comes up? the emotion that comes it, up when you think the thought, I don't like discomfort? Um
3: probably fear. Okay. Because discomfort was linked, I think, to my um a feeling of safety of being unsafe.
2: Okay. So keep going.
3: Uh, I my desire uh, my goal is to release my fear panic of lack and harm so I can be safe.
2: Okay, that that's not going to work very well. So what we're looking for in the goal is a positive statement about actual change in the outside world, right? That your mind says needs to happen in order for you to be safe. So remember, what, what what it sounds to me like you're doing at that level with the worksheet is you're trying to jump ahead to what you think an enlightened person would say. I could just release my fear and panic. But okay. at this part, in the first three steps of the worksheet, we're trying to map out what it is that the mind is doing with its thought to create the emotion and what it's doing in the way of creating a perception that tells you you're not safe or you're damaged or broken or whatever, or that someone else is wrong, and then what your mind, that conscious logical mind, is telling you needs to happen or change in the outside world in order for you to be happy or safe or whatever. So in a worksheet like this, where you're saying, I have fear and panic, and the situation is the rising cost of food and my fear of survival, and the thought I'm using to create my fear is I'm a victim of the rising cost and I won't survive. What is a goal that would address all of that and make it completely obsolete? That the world wouldn't collapse around me. Well, you know, again, we're trying to state things in the positive. And just like with the last thing about releasing my fear and my panic, you're just stating fear and panic. You're you're talking about the world collapsing. What's what's a positive statement? You know, my, my goal is for there to be an abundance of food, an abundance of finances, and um, you know, and, and 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 infinite physical comfort, or at least you know physical comfort, an abundance of food and abundance of finances. Something like that would be a goal that would that would address the parts of your mind that are thinking there's not an abundance of food or safety or finances. That there is pain and suffering and death coming. So we want to resonate the energy in another part of your mind. So what, okay, what, how would you want to, how, how would you want to rewrite that goal so it talks about, my goal is to have the world be a place where there's an abundance of food, an abundance of finances, and physical comfort. You could use those uh, same words if, if, if they resonate with you, but
3: they do. You can also my doing- world is. My world is a place of abundance in comfort, food and finances.
2: All right. Uh
3: and also I would add that it is a place of
2: harmony. Well, that, that that's great for another worksheet. Okay. But there was no, but there was no mention in the the first two or first three steps so far of disharmony being at the root of this. Oh, good! So just, I'm beginning. You know, just, is, just, just, just try to stick with what this particular upset's about.
3: That's very helpful because this is where I would break down in the worksheet process. Is exactly what you're helping me with
2: right now. Okay. I mean, you would Good. go global and bring oh, in other yeah. issues. and Yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're or, most or, useful or, when, when, when you keep everything lined up with what's the trigger, what's the emotion, what's the thought I'm using to create that emotion, what's the punishment thought, and what is my mind telling me has to happen either inside me or in the world around me in order for me to be happy. And then you find the goal that makes all of that, pulls it all together and says, hey, you know what? If there was an abundance of comfort and food and finances, I never would have had to pick up this worksheet. That's
3: very helpful. I wonder if the confusion is not so much... It, it is a resistance on one hand, but the other hand, the confusion is my protective mode to keep me safe. And so it doesn't want me to go feel my feelings, so it kind of um, confuses the whole issue, like I can't find the forest with the trees.
2: Yeah. Well, perhaps, but the more worksheets we do, the more we uncover that kind of stuff good and then we so uncover goal... it and see it logically at that conscious level the less power it has to disrupt us
3: right so my goal is a world filled with comfort abundance uh of food and finances Would that work? Yep. Okay. Okay, so I've got that. I choose my essence, which is love. That stirs the love in everyone involved. And uh, when upset, my perception is built out of corrupt data. And so I'm holding love conscious active and present uh, as I now choose to collapse my mind's lies by willingly canceling my goal of having the world be a place of comfort, abundance of food and finances. Abundance of comfort, food and finances. And from there...
2: What's the second part of that?
3: I invite Rucha to incline me towards healing. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Restore me to my newborn essence, love. Heal my denial. Um, and I... Um had a thought come up about heal my denial of my power to create my experience, and I probably wouldn't have ever made that connection if we hadn't read the way of mastery and capacity to generate my emotion of my emotion of fear and panic over the lack of um in lack of fear and panic in lack and harm. Um and the final thing is I asked Urucha to help me open a direct and conscious relationship with and to gently remove the denied, disassociated and projected parts of my carbon based memory. And what okay. I have written down here. Yeah. Anything to add to that, sir?
2: Nothing to add to that, but if if you're doing this, if you've changed the goal to be in alignment with your original emotion and what you think is going on in the world and your thoughts causing your emotion and now you've changed the goal to align with it, I would invite you to step into this release process if you're in a place where you can close your eyes and just breathe softly and say silently within your mind, I will recite the forgiveness pattern and let you do this release to see what bubbles up. Perfect. So just relax, keep your breath moving. This new goal to have the world be a place of abundance in food and finances and comfort Just breathe and soften and silently within your own mind say what I'm going to say out loud. I cancel my need to be right. I cancel my need for anyone or anything to change, including myself. I specifically cancel my goal in this worksheet. And I ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this upset. And then just breathe and soften and put yourself in the most open, allowing space you can manage and trust that whatever comes up is perfectly okay for you to see. It's going to be exactly part of what you need to see to begin to heal here and move forward. Breathe, soften, and gently repeat, I cancel my need to be right. I cancel my need for anyone or anything to change. I specifically cancel my goal in this worksheet. I put my conscious logical mind on the shelf for now. And I ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this fear. And then just watch. If your mind goes to an earlier time in your life, just notice where are you, how old are you, who else is there, and what's happening. And just trust that it's perfectly okay for you to see and feel and process everything that comes into your mind and that that's going to be part of what is related to your need to heal in this worksheet. Breathe, soften, and gently repeat. I cancel my need to be right. I cancel my need for anyone or anything to change, including myself. I specifically cancel the goal in this worksheet, and I ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this upset. And just stay with that and breathe and soften until you feel one of three things happen. You get a flash of an earlier time in your life, including an insight... You feel a shift or change in your emotion and energy, even if there's no insight. Or you realize that for now your mind is just going to keep spinning and you've kind of gone blank. Breathe and soften. And when one of those three things has happened, take a nice, deep, cleansing breath and scan your body and notice what is the strongest emotion and or the strongest physical sensation present in your body right now and write that in 6A. And just stay with it breathing until you notice one of those three things. breathe soften and allow anything that comes into your mind is all old stuff if it's happening right now it's just nerves firing in your brain and it can't hurt you any more than it already has so it's perfectly safe for you to see it and feel it and let it wash over you as you study it what do you get what do you notice
3: Well, I've been working on uh, hostility because I realized, realized that behind my fear is an incredible hostility. I've been working with Michael and you both, and what I feel is that when I look into my small childhood, uh, that I felt a need to be vigilant all the time when and the shoe would drop, uh, whenever so I needed to be alert all the time. So there was tension everywhere. And there was also a desire for um, striking out, which I had to totally submit. So what I feel right at the moment about that is that maybe there is a possibility I can just gently let go of um, that sense of... Mm -hmm. Eternal vigilance, unsafety, and the desire to strike back and protect myself or defend myself, but I can't. So it's like I have more hope now. I have more, I have a little, a more of an opening that uh, I can let go of uh, my sense of powerlessness, my sense of, of being a victim who has no way out
2: and that is a lot of thoughts what are you feeling that might be corroborating that
3: just that tiny opening
2: okay so breathe and soften and write that in Six A.
3: And B because that.
2: because that that's both of them. A tiny
3: opening. A softening would be kind of what it would
2: be like. And then all of the rationale you can write out down later that you were just talking about. And then What about six C?
3: That my whole life has been a creation of disharmony and drama that I've seen was out there.
2: Okay, but 6C is asking you about a time when you have violated the goal. So the goal in this one is for the world to be a place of abundance of food, finances, and comfort. So how would you word 6C for yourself here to keep working on this?
3: That, I've not create, that I have failed to create that for
2: myself. Well, either that or, that's, that's all right, or you can say, I, I ask to be shown times when I have viewed the world as being impoverished and dangerous. Right? There's this interpretation. Remember, the core of this work is how we actively create our perceptions that our perception does not record actuality, reality. It it constructs individual realities. So there can easily be other people in very, very similar situations to yours who don't view the world as lacking and dangerous. So... You know, if you can ask to be shown times when you've put this interpretation on the world of being a place of danger and lack and that that opens you up to getting guidance for when that happens.
3: Uh something just came up, uh, as you, you're aware of, my daughter hasn't hasn't talked to me for four years or more and i remember now when she was at the uh at the very precipice of being homeless for the second time the first time i didn't know she was um that i panicked and i tried to get in touch with her um and it must have been that energy that I was projecting out onto her situation. Is that somewhat of what you are, are referring to? And that No, but it could her. be very
2: useful for you. Yeah. I, I have no idea about you know what it is, but if it just came to you, write it down and work with it. Keep. Okay. Keep that top of mind for a while. Maybe that's part of what's feeding this. And you I can do some worksheets be. on that. You can do worksheets on the emotions that come up if you think that that's driving your perception today. You can do emotions on your daughter being homeless or your daughter severing contact with you or your daughter not letting you know she was homeless, any of those as what's in 1C, and then map out the emotion and the thought you're using to create it and and the goal that would make it all go away and do another worksheet. Make sense?
3: Uh, sort of. <laughs> I just, there's, um yeah. It'll be a while, I suspect, before I am... Out of the woods in relation to my confusion and overwhelm. Yeah, yeah. And that may have been why I've been afraid to do many worksheets.
2: Okay. And And so then, what's the last part of the worksheet? What have you got for the step seven?
3: Um. The principle of the universe is that by giving i first get the original, I am grateful for this opportunity to, to heal uh, I also want to i would like to say that I really get the concept of getting the original and i'm that I am incorporating as best I can into my into my perception of reality so that I can begin to um catch myself as the emotion comes up or as the behavior comes up. I am grateful for this opportunity to heal I choose truth and perfect love. Can you uh, uh, share with me what perfect love
2: might feel like to you? No, but I can tell you that in the ancient Aramaic, they talk about a filter over the frontal lobes of your mind that, that guides intention and a filter over the back of your brain that guides perception. The one in the forefront of the mind is called Ruka, and the one in the back is called Kuba. Now it's not called that. So the, 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 the filter in the front of the mind can be set to hostility or fear or Rakma. So it's a filter like one of those plastic wheels that we used to set up in front of a spotlight to shine on the Christmas tree, and it would roll around, and it would have a green and a red and and a, and a blue you know, cellophane on it. And so the light is pure white, but as it goes through the filter, it makes the tree look very different. So... The actuality for all of us is out there in our lives. But when we put the filter of fear in the frontal lobes of our brain, the world looks very different to us. Let's say, you know, that, that the, the red filter for the, the red cellophane for the filter is, is anger. And when the tree looks red, it looks anger. And then it, it keeps spinning and it spins around to um, fear. And all of a sudden, it's, it's purple. And, and the whole world looks like a fearful place because we're looking through the filter that colors the tree. Remember the the white spotlight that used to sit on the ground behind the cellophane wheel it would spin? Is this an image that's familiar right. to you? Right, yeah. And 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 so on the frontal lobes of your brain, you've got this filter. It can either be set to hostility or fear or rakma. Now, rakma is such an ancient word. That the actual definition for it has been lost to the native speakers of Aramaic as Dr. Rice has found out when he was out in California and ran into some but they said the actual definition we don't have but what we're what we're told is it's the most precious jewel you could ever possess so your ability to look out through the filter of Rachma everything is this pure light Pure white. So the image that I created for this, the wheel spinning, and it used to be three different colors of cellophane on the wheel. I said, so here's the bright light of of actuality, the, the white pure white light. And so we've got one filter that one third of the wheel that's red, and one third of it that's purple. So one of it is for anger, and one of it is for fear, and the other one is just open. So you just get A true perception there's no filtering there's no distortion you get to see the actuality of the extension of the creative force into form which is love which is your true nature etc so that's over the intention and then in the back of the mind back of the brain there's this filter that can be set to fear and hostility or it can be set to kuba and kuba is this filter over your perception so you're only able to see the truth clearly that everyone is a product of the creative energy everything is connected etc that you see yourself as a part of this expansion of the creative force and your true essence is safe and whole always and nothing can be added unto you or nothing can be taken away from you that's of any value whatsoever so you get to perceive the highest and best in everyone around you, including yourself, and then choose to cooperate only with that. That's the definition for of humility from the ancient Aramaic. So if Rachma is set over the frontal lobes of your mind so you only have the ability to if intentions keyed to love and perception is guided by kuba, which only allows you to perceive the truth of life and love. That's what they referred to as perfect love. Thank you. It's wholeness. It's completeness. It's safety. It's belonging. It's compassion. It's this energy of creation. It's the atonement. It's all of it that happens when Rachma and Kuba are set. We are only perceiving our essence, and our true nature. And it goes right in line with what this way of mastery is talking about in the third lesson, where it says we are creating perception and they are distortions of actuality. And when you start to dismantle your perceptions, which in this work is the process of forgiveness, when you start to dismantle your perceptions and dismantle the projections of your images that you place on others, you start to open up the space where you can see the actuality of life. You can see your total safety. You can see your union with all things. So that would be the perfect love idea.
3: Thank you. I was familiar with Rachma and Tuva, but I didn't connect them in the way that you are um, sharing with me.
2: I like that. So what would you choose to put in here to finish step seven in this worksheet?
3: Um, Based on number three, I structure a truly loving goal towards myself. And offer me, I offer myself that I hold myself gently and accept my fear and panic when it arises while I work through these issues with my forgiveness tools.
2: Okay. And specifically, I would suggest that because we like to set specific goals that are time-limited that we can know when they're accomplished. Since you had some images come up and one of them involved your daughter being homeless, et cetera, you might just put in here to make it time-limited, specific, and relevant that you're going to do a worksheet On the possibility that this may be driven by those connections to your daughter and her homelessness okay and you could say one worksheet or you could say two or three or whatever but when we do these in the group in the support group we recommend that because we know every time we set a goal that we don't accomplish or consciously cancel it continues to run and use up our resources in our unconscious mind, so we want to avoid you know creating extra stress that doesn't get resolved. we want to manage our stress well by creating only goals that we can accomplish in the next waking period okay. and or we don't get to accomplish them, then we cancel them consciously and or move them back into the position of plans or intentions so we're not creating undue stress. So what
3: I see myself doing with my my new goal here is going global again, <laughs> which is very interesting because I have um, been told by the Hawaii State Coordinator for um, Learning Dis- disability that I have a figure ground um, situation where I cannot draw out of the background of what's happening around me the important information I need in order to function. So that's very interesting This going global.
2: Well, do what you can to keep it specific because that will be more beneficial to you in these worksheets.
3: Good. Stay
2: specific. And, <laughs> and then, after you set that goal, take a breath and figure out if you're willing to cancel, do a mass canceling of all the times you've wanted safety and abundance and finances and food from anybody or any situation. And if so, breathe into yes. that.
3: Yes, I. I really like the mass counseling. I just feel like it helps to erode the fear very gently, like the waves coming in on the shore
2: of a beach. And then if you do that, scan your body and notice how you're feeling and put that upset level in the appropriate space there and decide whether or not this was a productive worksheet and make that determination for yourself?
3: Yes, I feel like this is a very productive worksheet. Um, I'd say I'm about a 3 now out of a potential 10. If um, I my stress level got really,
2: really high,
3: I would probably just panic.
2: All right. So, thank you for sharing that. have any other thoughts or comments about that worksheet?
3: No, I shall uh, reflect a bit more on it and draw up what other thoughts I had. I, um, I really appreciate this. This is really, there's a lot here of Oh, potential opening. I can feel it.
2: Very <laughs> good, good.
3: exciting. Rather well, exciting.
2: Um, I appreciate your willingness to share, as I'm sure others do on the call. Thank you. I'm complete. All right. That's a good place to stop. We'll take a breath and. Thank you once again for sharing and mute you so you can listen in. And unless somebody has a hand up that wants to make a comment or a question about Selinda's sharing, we'll read a little bit of lesson 35 as a review. Again, the call in number is 5639993581 and if you call that number and put 1, it'll let me know that you've got a comment or a question or an answer or a testimonial. So thank you Selinda for that doing that worksheet and we will start the review of lesson 35. Lesson 35 is titled Living as a Sovereign Master. Beloved and holy friends, I come forth to abide with you because I love you, because I extend my nature toward you, because I have great affection for you. Always and forever we are joined in the place of love. Always and forever we are joined in the place of capital R reality. Always and forever. I am but your brother and your friend. Again, this work tells us over and over again, these words are specifically designed to indicate to us that there is no hierarchy here. There is no one who is holier than you. There is no one who is less valuable than you. We are all sparks of the one mind. There is only the one mind. The text goes on and says... You have many brothers and many sisters in what you call the disembodied state who know you and who have great love for you and who do not come closer to you than you are willing to allow. So you can create an experience of being very, very alone and very, very disconnected by simply pouring your mind energy into that set of conclusions, and then you create an experience of being alone. At the same time, they've said, all you have to do, at various points in this book, they've said, all you have to do is ask for guidance and assistance, and it will always be provided. So here it says, all of these spirits, souls, brothers and sisters that are in disembodied states, what do you want to call them? Souls, spirits, lights, sparks, ascended masters, guides, it doesn't matter what you call them. They will stay away from you unless you ask them. And they will come instantly into connection with you when you ask. The text goes on and says, and that allowance always the result of your decision to claim your worthiness to have communication that can enlighten you. So if you decide that you're worthy, if you decide to play, to pretend that what this book says is true, you will create that experience for yourself. It says, you are indeed entirely sovereign at all times, You and you alone create the thoughts, the beliefs, and the perceptions that you wish to experience, and then these crystallize into the forms of your experience, even unto the physical dimension. Remember then, in this conclusion of the way of knowing, that there is never a time that you see anything that exists outside of you. Everything you see originates within you, since the only thing you can see is the way in which you choose to cloak or drape the mysterious energy of creation. This is what they were referring to when our research tells us that we create our own perception Anil Seth has videos on how we each hallucinate our perception. The FBI understands because they want their agents to have the best data to come back and report that everybody creates their own reality, that our process of perception is so highly active that none of us see exactly the same thing. No two people ever experience the same thing even if they're standing right in front of the event because we have filters, because we have goals, because we have hopes, because we have fears, because we have traumas. And those things get stimulated by the sights, the light that hits our eyes, the sound vibrations, by our filters of trauma. And that's what generates our perception. Our perception is mostly generated from our past experience. And that knowledge is right here in this book. In Lesson 35, in the fourth paragraph, it says, Everything you see originates within you since the only thing you can see is the way in which you choose to cloak or drape the mysterious energy of creation. Every natural event every making of a ri- every moment of arising is merely energy given to you on a silver platter it's given to you freely that you as a consciousness might choose to have the opportunity to create experience by cloaking that energy that has been presented to you with whatever the perceptions and beliefs that you have chosen for yourself You've heard me say unto you many times that only love is real. You've heard me say unto you many times that it is not necessary to seek for love. But it is necessary to seek for what is false. What's that about? This book has talked at length about how our intellect has been crammed full of trivialities from our language, which is based on separation, from our families, from our cultures, from our life experiences, from our interacting with other humans who did not understand their true nature, who were not coming from a space of love. That's what's in us that we have to identify and dismantle. The next section is titled Creating as a Master. And the text reads... In all previous lessons, you've been given many, many tools and much deep and profound understanding to assist you in the simple decision for complete responsibility for every moment of your experience. For in the end, I can only give you this. I can only give you awareness that you are creating your life. You are creating your experience of life. I cannot relieve you of what you might perceive as the burden of the fact that you're constantly creating, that you are indeed a creator. Likewise, I would not wish to unburden you from that because it's an incredible shimmering awareness and responsibility. It is the freedom, the fun of knowing that as a sovereign master of your domain, you are free to create whatever your heart is most truly desires the secret then as I've shared with you many times is to practice seeking first the kingdom never let a day go by in which you fail to ponder the great mystery of the creator's presence never let a morning go by that you fail to begin your day except this way I surrender all thought of what I know and have believed I rest in gratitude to the one who has birthed me I ask only for it to be revealed to me greater truth, greater wisdom, greater capacity to know and extend perfect love, perfect trust, and perfect peace. Just imagine how your days, how your lives would change, your, your individual life would change if you began every day surrendering all thought of what you know and believe resting in gratitude for the breath of life and for the source of the creative energy that birthed you that you started each day asking only to see things more and more clearly through perfect love, perfect trust and perfect peace if you did no other exercise than that imagine how your life would change the next paragraph reads, In the way of knowing, we come to the great culmination. You are indeed as I am. You, you become aware that we are all one. There is no Yeshua that is greater than you. There is no other individual that is greater or lesser than you. Each spark of awareness is part of the one mind. That in each moment of your soul's journey, you have literally created the worlds of your experience. Just as I did when I was upon your plane, just as I continue to do now. How then has it occurred that this form of communication could take place? This form of communication being the way of mastery, the way of knowing. It is not so much that I cleverly set up a labyrinth of doorways to draw you to this teaching so that I could connect with you. But rather, I rested in my desire to extend. the. By creating that desire, I began to create a vibrational field emanating from my mind out through creation. That That vibration alone is not enough. But where it resonated with the deepest desire of my brother meaning, in this point, meaning J.M., who channeled this work, to know the Christ mind, to find a way to serve, to indeed heal and awaken from any last traces of illusion. When that happened, when that met my desire, a connection was formed. It was like two wires dancing about. Their dance caused by the movement of energy through them until their energy touches, joining the tips of the wires together. The connection was made, the energy flowed, and the result was a whole series of events that neither could have predicted that resulted in the way of mastery. So, thank you very much, Solinda, for working through a worksheet with us. Thank you for listening. I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love and everything else is false. Welcome Jeannie Rice. We take it.
1: Thank you, Doctor Tim. Appreciate you.
2: You're welcome and deserving. <sighs> Have a great show.
1: Thank you. So welcome everybody to the second hour of Mind Shifters Radio. Today is Monday, January the ninth, twenty twenty three. And our call-in number is 563-999-3581, and press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and questions, because that makes this your show. A couple of things, um, while we're waiting on Michael to dial in, uh, is that, uh, let me flip over to this, I'm multitasking here. We got a comment on the website in regards to the Why Again book, and he says, quote, I would say that the book is a great read for anyone searching truth. It's at least a very helpful accessory to anyone's library. I really like how it's pointed out that the Aramaic understanding of forgiveness involves looking within. And I would even say that this is when heaven and earth can be found, heaven on earth can be found. I found Roy Masters has been able to articulate these things with a depth that's amazing. I believe he followed your work to some extent. He's right that the Aramaic brings out life in scripture, more than more known translations that just don't shake a stick at. Roy is now passed away but leaves behind plenty to seek out. There is a Skype meeting that a gentleman has been kind enough to allow some of the followers to use. I would like to openly invite you and your team and your friends to chat. I'd love to exchange ideas and connect people together. There's a monthly meeting. Details can be found here, and I've put this, what I just read, plus the link in the notes for today. There's um, the main US site, but UK site, the, but the UK side holds the meeting. Thank you, Sean and Kayla. And so I looked it up on the link that he gave us, and actually the next meeting is this coming Sunday, the 15th, and it's at 8 o'clock UK time, so that's uh, 3 o'clock our time. And Michael and I plan on joining in with the meeting. So it's if you have a Skype account, you know, it will ask you to sign in to Skype, but um, you don't have to. You can join as a guest, but if you're not logged in, I'm assuming that means you can't actually chat or whatever that you're just listening. Uh, But anyway, I put those links on the website in today's notes uh, so that you can tap into it, and I'll also put it in some other places on the website later. And so you can join us for that Skype meeting on Sunday afternoon, the 15th at 3 o'clock Eastern time, and uh, that should be exciting. On their website it says, we have monthly Skype meetings which are open discussions where we share spur each other on, raise questions regarding our inner journey to discovering our true self so that we can find the love, joy, kindness, patience, forgiveness, self-control, and faith that dwells inside us in order to live our life to our full potential. So you can just come in as a guest and listen. Um, All you have to do is to click the link that I put in the notes. And if you sign in, then you can actually, uh, if you sign into your Skype account, then you can actually participate in the conversation. So we invite you to uh, consider putting that on your calendar for 3 o'clock Eastern time on Sunday the 15th and joining us in that group. And Michael said he did know Roy Masters, and so um, the gentleman was correct in that, you know, they were along the same lines around the Aramaic. Also coming up this Thursday, the 12th, is our book club. So that happens the 2nd and the 4th Thursday of every month. And so that's coming up this. Um, and then on Saturday, the 14th, we have our Still Point Breathing. If you want to participate in that, if you go to our website, you can click on up at the top where it says Schedule. You can click, and um, it will take you to, you'll see that there's the uh several items, but there's the Global Online Book Club, and that gives you the link where you can sign in and participate in that. And that one is by Zoom. And they're going over uh, doing, I think this coming week they're doing worksheets, but they're going to start taking, I think, chapter at a time going through the book again. And so you can participate in that. That's also free. And uh, then the other thing, uh, uh, let me check and see. Yes, Michael's with us. But the other thing, before I turn it over to him, I want to share a testimonial. There's the a gentleman who has joined to do the codependence communication self study intensive. We've had several people that have participated in that, and he wrote back. And I asked him if I could use this as a testimonial, and he said absolutely. Says I've been working on my top three challenges. Now, get it? He's only been in, involved in this for about a week, and he says I've been working on my top three challenges. I have a notebook and been writing a lot of mind shifters, word links, doing the reality wake-up sheets on the Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness app. The suggestions in each challenge, I read and I sit with it and I practice. I rewatch the first two videos twice. I'll probably watch them again sometime soon. So far, my experience has been, now he's only watched two, two of the videos and there's 48 videos. He says, so far, my experience has been that the work is very, very effective and laser-focused. I'm so amazed at how it accesses such deep layers of the mind so quickly and efficiently. My experience is that negative emotions easily discharge and are replaced with many positive experiences. Things are unfolding smoothly and sometimes with some intensity. But my thinking is changing. I was curious about the honors. And he's talking about, you know, there's a section in the personal code evaluation, which that comes along with the codependence to interdependence and the communication self-study. You get two personal code evaluations. You take one at the beginning, one at the end, and it shows where your top challenges are, where you're going to get the most improvement to focus your work in just those three areas. And then there's a balance of the honors. That's honor for others, honor for self, and honor for truth. And he said, uh, based on the results that he got on his, he said, I was curious about the honors aspect because I started to get a lot of insight into my relations with others and why I placed myself first, blowing things out of proportion, which has been mainly with a house that I've been renovating and the many challenges that I have encountered in the past three years with that project. Good news is that it's all worked out and it was worth it. So that's just within the first week of doing the self-study intensive. So, you know, even though it's not, uh, you know, going on live with us it is live with a group of people who were doing it with us um and so it's intense watching you know their process and listening to everybody's input so it's very productive and so thank you david for giving us that feedback a couple other people that are doing it that um michael and i are going to see if they'll give us their uh testimonial about the self-study intensive as well and get that out there for you to uh Uh, listen to and to read so at this time i'm going to welcome michael thank you dear heart and welcome
4: everybody glad you're here and uh you've probably heard joe call into the show and maybe joe's out there if he is maybe he'll put up his hand and say hello but uh, i know that joe has called in several times as he's been in the throes of uh, of some of the intensity that comes up in doing the codependence intensive self-study and uh at, at one point he had shared with me that although he's in the business world and, you know, there's a lot going on in his life, there was a period there where it was like, I just, the only thing I want to do is just get in and be part of watching those videos, get that discussion, get that processing work, and move my own dynamics. So, So, Joe, if you're out there, maybe, you know push one say hello share a little bit more about uh, about what's going on for you as you're moving deeper and deeper into the intensive and other than that we're just kind of rock and roll here Uh, delighted that everybody's with us and that we get to play over and over and over again with these first century Aramaic tools and the dynamics of forgiveness we're honored that you're here to be part of the process And, of course, uh, that we get to share this space with so many people is such a gift. Another interesting thing is developing, and I haven't even had a chance to talk with you about it, Jeannie, but I did get a phone call. There's a gentleman in Hawaii that's been doing this work for several years. Uh, His name is Mark, and uh, Mark had... uh, called me this morning or actually t- sent me a message via Facebook and asked me to contact him. He is a, uh, a, a Steiner school teacher. And I guess Steiner has kind of uh, uh, become less active in the recent past. And they're looking at getting a group together to restart uh, the teaching of the Steiner work and developing school teachers who want to uh, promote Steiner's work. And so we started a conversation this morning about perhaps uh, this August uh, they might come to Heartland and uh, utilize the Heartland facility. Since we've closed for uh, COVID reasons, that uh, they might be interested in using Heartland. Uh, to do a planning meeting to get their teacher training started, and he had shared with me that over the years that he's been doing that, that he has introduced and had other teachers who introduced the Steiner work to uh, children uh, through the Steiner educational system and uh, Actually, she said that one particular teacher was really intensely doing worksheets with kids in schools, and uh, she's, he said there were just you know phenomenal, like monumental, miraculous-type breakthroughs with the kids doing worksheets. So, pretty awesome, and it's interesting um, how many people uh, come to the work of forgiveness and then move toward it as quickly, and then just as quickly bounce away and disappear. And my, my take on that, and I'm saying this so that anyone who's new, you understand perhaps what's happening, is that when you actually start to, what the ancients called, open the veil of the temple, which is what forgiveness does, when you start to really truly collapse the perceptual constructs of your mind that are based in hostility or fear, then you're introduced to an aspect of your mind which for most people is not dr feelgood you know it can be pretty intense hey sweetheart your brain is with us today hi sweetie come on i was just looking at one of your kindness books i got your spot of emotions books out in kindness and we were going to talk about that today. In any event, what tends to happen, sure, when uh, when we start to touch into those things that uh, are not so pleasant, that are not so sweet and wonderful, then the not so sweet and wonderful things become pretty intense. And the intensity of that is how can I say I guess not necessarily pleasant and as you start to learn to open the
2: veil the
4: internal dynamics that have remained hidden perhaps all your life all of a sudden are in your face and not necessarily fun. However, the beauty of it is that when you start to move into... Aria just wanted something turned on, so on TV she wants to watch something on planets. In any event, uh, when you start to access those deeper levels of mind, uh, there's a tendency to want to run away from it. And, and people aren't running away from anything but themselves. And the objective of this work is to gently move in. One of the ideas of, of having this show going is that when somebody touches into something, it just seems to be too much to be handled. then uh... yeah. Sweetie, I'm going to have to stay with the radio show, okay? So, Okay. Okay. So when I start to move into those deeper places, the unpleasantness is kind of part of the process. There's a uh, a, a piece of writing from back in the... I'm just looking for it now. From back in the um, 1700s that just really describes what's going to happen when you start to tap into stronger and stronger spaces of flow. Now in his case, he he writes it, this is again this is a man who um, lived from 1651 to 1715, I'm not sure just what year he wrote this, but here's what he says. As the light increases we see ourselves to be worse than we thought. We're amazed at our former blindness. As we see issuing forth from the depths of our heart a whole swarm of shameful feelings like filthy reptiles crawling from a hidden cave. We never could have believed we'd harbored such things, and we stand aghast as we watch them gradually appear. But while our faults diminish, so as you start doing that work, your faults diminish, the light by which we see them waxes brighter and we're filled with horror. Bear in mind for your comfort that we only perceive our malady when the cure begins. So in essence, what he's saying is once you start to open the gates, it's going to get pretty intense. And what you're going to find in there is generational patterns of, you know, I mean, if you look at the power person dynamics in your life, Those power-person dynamics have been developing in, in most family systems for generations and generations and generations. And when you recognize that, then there's that level of generational work to be done in order to clean it up. And we have the effective tools here for cleaning it up. It's just applying those tools and doing the work. And you know, one of the reasons for continuing this show, we're getting ready to head into our twelfth year, is that when somebody comes across something it's like this is just too much to handle, we're here for support. We're here for guidance. We've been there, we've done that. Not that we're finished. We're we're in our process as much as anybody else is. And when I realize that I have work to do. As I do my work, I enhance the work of anyone I touch and vice versa. So it's a reciprocal type of thing where everybody benefits because we we to do this work. And Arya just asked me to turn the, she's eating, watching the eat the rainbow of foods, foods by color and what nutrients are in them. So that's uh, a, a big part of what happens. You know, Carl Jung uh, wrote that the demise of society wouldn't be from a physical threat, but instead from mass delusion. He called it a collective psychosis. Quote, Carl Jung, probably one of the greatest psychologists, psychiatrists ever, he says, greater than all physical dangers are the tremendous effects of delusional ideas, which are yet denied all reality by our world-blinded consciousness. Our much-vaunted reason and our boundlessly overestimated will are sometimes utterly powerless in the face of unreal thoughts. And so he goes on to say the wolf inside the man is far more a threat to human existence than external forces. So when when mental forces become so toxic as to harm our overall well-being on an individual and collective level, a psychic epidemic can result. And he said that modern society was prone to collapse due to a pandemic, not of viruses, but of delusional ideas. And you look at, you know, hand in hand with this whole pandemic on a viral level have been these delusional ideas that have become such a threat. So many people talking about civil war and and conflict and just mass insanity. And when you look at it, what we're talking about there is simply the unconscious mind of people starting to open, but opening it not in the context of healing, but opening it through hostility, fear, and conflict. And and my offering is that is the prime cause of war. If people begin to open those dynamics within themselves and work through them, you now there's, I forget who it was that said it, but uh, the, the words were something to the effect of 80 years... let me get to that code exactly Let me think how I can get it make sure I get it at least close to accurate in essence what he was saying is every 80 years we tend to have a world war and it's because when the young of a particular generation who has experienced war dies and the horror of war is forgotten then the next war is set in motion and my offering is the reason for that is because these unconscious dynamics, when they start to flood into the open, when there's such a resonance in the world for hostility and fear, they start to flood into the open, then the conflict that is going on within becomes projected without, and we end up doing the insanity that gets done. And, of course, you add alcohol to that. You know, if you take a look, you know, the military is pretty famous for its abuse of alcohol. In fact, the... Well, we don't even get into statistics, but it's crazy. And these are the people that decide when wars happen. And these are the people that spend the money that comes out of everybody's pocket to to promote these wars. And they are all a result of these disturbances within the minds of individuals who do not have a constructive way to work through them, who do not have the tools, who do not have the support. And what we're here to to do is to give the tools and give the support for that healing process. And so everything we do, you know, the app, all of it, each of the books, each of the DVDs, each of the CDs, the tapes, and the show is to get the the people into the space. You know, if you've ever looked at a picture, I've actually been looking for one to, uh, to do a post on Facebook, a picture where you look at it and you go... Oh, I should know what that is. What is that? I can't quite Gee, and, and when I'm struggling to go, what is that? What's happening is that my carbon-based memory doesn't have the brain cells to accurately see, to, to what we call see, to generate a construct about whatever that is that we're seeing, that the, the picture of what's in front of us. The brain cells don't fire strong enough to go, and you'll notice that once the brain cells fire, then you can't unsee it. You look at it, and it's just there. And the truth is, it's not there at all. It's in the brain of the, the, the mind, pardon me, of the perceiver. And so if we have a a set of brain cells that easily allows us, easily um, brings us into a state of hostility and fear, then we've got a significant amount of work to do to remove that hostility or fear so we can back to building the brain cells for what it is to be human. And if you hold a newborn child, you know exactly what the nature of a human is. But we come into a world that specializes in knocking the truth of who we are as love out of us and teaching us that we're broken, that hostility and fear is the way of the world, and, you know, that's just the way it's going to happen. And the world isn't that way. It's the individuals in the world that make it that way. And so we're here to... Repair that. We're here to bring healing to that and to bring it out on such a mass scale that we change the whole dynamic of conflict and war in families, in communities, in you know, cross-culturally, uh, in countries, and, and getting us to realize that, in fact, you know, Einstein has a powerful saying. He says, if you think you're separate or separated from the rest of humanity, you're living in an optical delusion, a trick of the mind. Us into constructs of the mind called perception. That is false. That that show us that we are separate. You know, Einstein calls it an optical delusion. If we could raise the rate of vibration in which our eye sees, quote unquote sees, which our brain sees, <clears throat> we would see that we are all connected. We are not separate. There is no way we can separate from each other. But we can create divisions within our mind that make us appear to be separate and then of course when one has some form of hostility or fear that they're unwilling to be responsible for that they live in denial of that they talk about everybody else when that hostility or fear comes up then this whole game of there's somebody over there that I can harm without harming me becomes viable and that's called war and it's insane. I mean, it's insane on every level for many reasons, but at the very top level of truth, it's insane to think anybody's separate from you and that you can harm them without harming yourself. So it seems like on an energetic level, we're getting ready to take things to the next level of healing and wholeness on planet Earth with these tools. And the fact that they are... You know, expanding globally, you know, if you listen to the the dynamics that Jeannie was just talking about, the different places that that these things are happening, that this work is moving and expanding, it's pretty awesome that we live in this world of mass communication and we have the opportunity to literally speak globally to people and as we speak globally to people, we invite everybody to act locally to bring together these tools in their individual communities, in their individual family systems and worlds, and extended communities, and that together we can make a difference in how this game is played on planet Earth for humans. So that's kind of where we want to go and where we're heading. And Ms. Jeannie, do you have any other thoughts on that? Hello, Jeannie. How are you? Are you with me,
1: Jeannie? She was, I am. She was just asking me to do something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I actually have three of those pictures for you um, that you have to, like, stare at or turn a certain way or whatever to figure out what they are.
4: Right. Cool. Awesome. Thank you for searching for those. we
1: do have a hand up. Cool. Let's say hello. All right. Area code 828, you are in the air.
0: Hi there. This is Magda. Blessings. Well, hey,
4: young lady. Welcome.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I just have a moment because I'm out here doing my animal chores and stuff like that. And um, so I just wanted to interject something. Um, I agree with everything you said earlier about doing the work can be very uncomfortable and not exactly fun a lot of times and I want to reassure people because it kind of might easily get lost that um, the fear that those words might bring up, oh I don't want to get uncomfortable I don't want to go there Um, disregard that please (laughs) because the joy that follows going there is so immense and so wonderful. And the discomfort doesn't last forever. It's, you know, it can be over in 20 minutes, or maybe it's an issue that it might take two days and, and a number of worksheets. But um, it is so worth it. So that's all I wanted to add.
4: Coming out is a good point. Coming out the other side, life is just beyond yes. what could ever have been conceived previously. I, that's what I hear you saying, and, and I say that because that's how it is for me.
0: Absolutely. Yep. I like the, I like the way Yay. you put that. Yep. Okay. So that's it. Awesome, young lady. Appreciate you. I indeed appreciate have you. Have fun as well there on the farm. Indeed, we always do. <laughs> the chickens All right, would like to you that. Okay.
4: <laughs> Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah, that's a really important point that the uh when you realize that if we were to let's create a thing we're going to call emotional tone. If we were to create an emotional tone and it goes from 1 which would be depressed and pained and traumatized to 10 which would be just elated, delighted, joy what would be called cosmic consciousness, full enlightenment, all of that. If we were to scale and someone were to rate themselves, and over the years I've asked this question of thousands of people and, you know, actually written it all out on the board, and the average pretty much across the board on that scale of 1 to 10, most people weigh in at about a 3 to a 4 which means you're carrying some pretty significant traumas. If we weren't carrying traumas, physiology would naturally, physiology connected to love would naturally be at a 10. That's where we're designed to live. But if you go back and you look on that scale of 1 to 10, if you were to assess where was mom, where was your mother on that scale, and where was your father? If you were to assess where were each of your grandparents, where are your cousins, aunts, and uncles on that scale of 1 to 10? Well, we've done that. You know, laid it out on the board. Some of you have been in the workshops where I've done that. And 3 to 4 is where most people come in. And that means that someone who lives at a 4, you know, life is, um, for people at that level, is generally speaking quite a burden. It's difficult. And the people down at a 1 or a 2, you know, The level of suicide in this country, the increase in suicides in the last few years has been outrageous. It's because people are like, just too much pain. And if you don't have a set of tools with which to eradicate that pain, if all you can do is look out and try to, you know, from that space of, let's say, a four, try to control your world and make it better, trying to control your world out of an unconscious dynamic. You know, if you if you remember Yeshua, he says, take care of the heart for out of it are the issues in life. And he's saying, take care of the unconscious. We could easily hear him saying, take care where you are on the scale of one to 10, because out of that is, what you, is how you create your life. And so when you go in and you start facing and removing, remember again, that forgiveness is about removal. When you go in and start removing, the level 1, the level 2, the level 3, the level 4 painful experiences, then everything, your whole emotional tone, your whole emotional scale moves upward. So, If you're at a 4, yes, you might dip down into a a 2 or a 1 or a minus 5 or a minus 10. You might dip into that and touch into that. And as you work through it, then instead of living on a day-to-day basis at a 4, you end up at a 5 or a 6 or a 7. And as you do your work continuously, you know, if, if you ask anybody who's been doing this work over some period of time and you've heard me you know, go into that on the show, somebody calls in and, gee, I've been doing this work for 10 years and, you know, my life has been going well and now I'm in a major healing crisis. And then they describe what their healing crisis is about and oftentimes it's, well, this is something that happened, you know, that I was working on 10 years ago. And they'll, you know, kind of Refer to it and talk about it, maybe add a joke into it. And you've heard me do this many times over the years, and I'll point out. So notice, remember, back 10 years ago when you were talking about that, you were in such trauma and such tears, you couldn't have gotten a smile on your face for love nor money when we were processing it, when you were in that intensive or, you know, that workshop and we were talking about it. And here you are now 10 years later. Yes, you're back visiting that. You're doing a new layer of that. But notice that as you do it, you can bring a joke into it, and you can smile about it, and you can be in a space of connectedness around it. That's the benefit of doing your work. You just on an ongoing basis move up that tone scale so that you live higher and higher on that scale in your normal day. And then as you hit new levels of vitality, yes, you dip back into deeper layers of that that need to be cleaned up. But if you look at the overall trajectory, if you're doing your work, it's an uphill battle. Most people are moving downward, downward, deeper and deeper into those traumas if they don't have the tools because they tend to attract and resonate with other people who don't have the tools and tend to create experiences out of trauma, rarely touched by healing, where as you really integrate and you, you become... Um, accustomed to using these tools and it becomes habit to use these tools, then those situations that previously would have led to deeper levels of trauma lead to, yeah, well, there's some trauma there. Yep, this isn't pleasant. This isn't Dr. Feelgood. But I just peeled off a few layers because I knew that what I needed to do was connect to love. I knew what I needed to do was Communicate responsibly. I knew what I need to do was to do a worksheet. I knew that I need to do some responsibility communication. I knew that I need to go back and do that codependence work. Yes, I knew that I needed to do some still point breathing around that one. And and so the the movement tends to be continuously upward rather than continuously downward. And that's the objective of what we're doing here. So we're honored and delighted to be in this conversation with you, and uh, just having the opportunity to bring the tools forward one more time on one more level. And if the tools are impacting you and making a difference in your life, then we invite you to consider some way of supporting us, some way of bringing this uh, this work further into the world, referring it, passing it on to others, um, perhaps taking on a project. You know, if we do this um, uh, workshop, we're not planning to open Heartland for our purposes this summer uh it just doesn't feel appropriate with COVID. However, this uh, group of folks that uh, that is looking to rent Heartland or to come out to the space and do a, a signer workshop are people who know each other so they're feeling comfortable with that. And probably uh, I'll I'll go out a couple of a week or two earlier uh, to get the facility open and operating and so I'll probably do a work week where we'll do some some uh forgiveness work, and maybe some still point breathing and such. So if you're interested in doing a visit, maybe put that on your calendar. It'll probably be late July, mid to late July, if that all comes together. Again, the conversation just started this morning, so I told them that I was about 80% yes, but I haven't even talked to Jeannie yet to see what her thoughts are. And of course we have Dad and the baby here in uh, in Virginia, so we'll see how it all comes together, but put it, mark your calendar as a possibility if you want to come out and maybe help to uh, to get the facility together and do a little bit of uh, work together and uh, and some inner work as, as well. So we'll do a, probably do a work week kind of thing and see how it all unfolds. So, Miss Jeannie, any other thoughts for you? We're down to about 25 minutes. But... Uh, no, Aria was
1: looking. She goes, oh, there's two hands up. But the other one was Celinda's. Uh, she talked to Dr. Tim in the first hour, so she's getting the hang of what the switchboard looks like here with phone numbers popping up. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> cool. Well, who knows? Who, she might be a future host.
4: to dis- Displace Michelle. <laughs> they in listener land. And especially if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you on our switchboard. You know, Jeannie has a switchboard, and that's what Ari is looking at, so she can see when somebody's hand is up. But if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you, we don't know you're there, we have no way of communicating with you or having a conversation with you. So if you are and you'd like to have a conversation, then if you just dial into the show on your phone, and the dial-in number is 563-999-3581, 563-999-3581. If you dial in, we'll be you'll be listening to the show live, and then if you... Uh, If you have a question or a thought for us, then push one, and we'll be having a conversation. So how can we support you? What's on your mind? If you're out there in this land, push one. Let's talk about it.
1: We have a whole switchboard full of people, so somebody press one. You're bound to have a question or a comment starting out this new year. Let us know what's going on.
4: Well, I'm going to go on and and touch into a little more of of that topic from Carl Jung. So, again, he says, the wolf inside man was far more a threat to human existence than external forces. He says, when mental forces become so toxic as to harm our overall well-being on an individual and collective level, a psychic epidemic can result. He warned that modern society was prone to collapsing due to a pandemic of delusional ideas. He says, the man who is unconscious of the historical context and let slip his link with the past is in a constant danger of succumbing to the crazes and delusions engendered by all novelties. In other words, oh, something new comes along. Ah, let's go get excited about that. And then he talks, Jung talks about the fact that man is quote unquote a religious being. And of course, we're distinguishing religion from churchianity. Churchianity is not necessarily about religion. It can be, but it's not necessarily. So unless man has a set of principles by which to live, then people make it up. And a psychologist that uh, did Jung's work said, you can can't not have a central myth to live by. He he says that Jung would perhaps say that at this time we've lost that. We don't have a collective unifying principle. Jung believed that people needed myths to live by, hence the importance of religion. Religion gave people a myth or a story, which they could unify and connect around. And when we become unified and connected, we become community. Those who don't have a unifying point are, you know, stand up for themselves. And, you know, we see an ever-increasing number of, you know, Americans who are dissociating from any kind of spiritual ties, and many people who, you know, are not, connected in that way, end up in circles that go with any kind of crazy thing that somebody else has made up. You know, you look at this QAnon stuff that's going on, and if somebody's hurting, Young says, if an individual's hurting financially or at any level, losing a job, having trouble with their mortgage, having trouble feeding themselves, having trouble in relationships, they're more likely to listen to extremist ideologies and talk about conspiracies uh, that And that talk about how something's beyond their control, so ultimately another psychologist named Kelly says it means that you have to integrate your own darkness, wrestle with your own paradoxes, and stop projecting out onto other people the opposite inside of what's inside of you and so it becomes a uh, literally a thing that brings cultures to sanity when they're breaking down, as we're watching them do, into so much insanity as we see today. So the objective of this work is to bring correction, to bring unification, to bring people together in a connected way around a common understanding that we are creatures based in love here to be the expression of love. That That's essentially why we're here. to solidify, you know, when we've asked you before to hold a newborn child and tap into the essence of the newborn, being into is what we would call the spiritual body, love, the, the energy, the essence that we're made of. And if you look into our purpose work, it was a workshop we do called Purpose, Personal Power and Commitment, we point out that the primary purpose of every human being is identical, it's exactly the same, and that's to develop or to strengthen this spiritual body, this awareness of self as love, the truth of who we are. That's the primary purpose. Then the secondary purpose comes along. It's what we do in the world to fulfill that primary purpose. And what we do in the world has to be aligned with our primary purpose. Elsewise, we're going to create chaos in our lives. So someone who acknowledges, yes, I'm here for love, but goes out and rips people off for fortunes in an investment scam is a house divided against themselves. And Yeshua pointed out 2,000 years ago that a house divided against themselves simply can't stand. It's just not possible. And when we wake up to who we are, doing the work where each individual, (laughs) instead of projecting unresolved generational patterns out into pardon me, not out, but into the pictures their minds generate and then pretending those pictures are actually uh, sights of what's outside of them to recognize that constructs of the mind, perceptions, are constructs that reflect internal content and they never are outside of us. They can't go outside of us. They are internal. But our mind can dissociate from them in such a way that we think, oh, I'm seeing that with my eyes and therefore I'm seeing something that's outside of me. And the impossibility of seeing something with one's eyes is something that rarely occurs to people. The eye being a one-way valve, you cannot see out through the eye. Information, energy, light energy specifically, comes into the eye. And that light energy carries information, it carries frequencies, and according to the frequencies carried into the eye, when those frequencies interact or resonate, what's in carbon-based memory, what's in the memory bank, out of the memory bank come the constructs, the pictures that we see. So the world we think we see through our eyes is a construct of our mind based in part, yes, on light energy coming in, but to a greater degree based upon what that light energy resonates in us or when we hear a sound, what does that sound resonate in us? Our listening happens in the brain. It doesn't happen in our ears. Our seeing doesn't happen through our eyes. It happens in our brain. And when we recognize that our seeing is a product of our own brain and that there's an indicator that when our brain or our mind is off base, the mind being a product of the brain primarily, although it's a product of every cell in the structure, when we realize that it's a product of what's moving inside of us, then it it behooves us to recognize that that construct has a quality and if it's a poor quality, our lives are going to be garbage as a result of it if we buy it, if we live as though that's true. And if we upgrade the quality, and the whole idea of forgiveness is to upgrade the quality of the perceptual output of your mind, then life tends to improve proportionate to the upgrade that you do. So moving literally from out of the capacity to produce hostility and fear. Now, many people say, well, but Michael, you know, the world makes me angry, the world makes me afraid. Uh, That's just such a, a crock of crap. Nobody has ever made you angry. Nobody has ever made you afraid. But if there's anger and fear in you, certainly a whole procession of people has shown up in your life, continues to show up in your life, and will continue to show up in your life to bring that up in you. Because you live in a world of resonance and you literally are a gravitational field that draws that to you. When you take responsibility for the quality of your perceptual mind and you begin to remove the corrupt data, the hostility and fear-based data that goes into your perceptual constructs, then your mind more and more becomes aligned with the active presence of love and more and more supports you living as the active presence of love and becomes the gravitational field which draws to you experiences in your world. Now there's a cute story about the man who's on the road traveling, and he stops in this little town, there's a house outside of town, and there's an old man sitting on the, the deck of the house, and he says, hey, mister, I'm just, you know, passing through, and I, you know, I'm looking for a place where I'm going to spend the night, and I'm just wondering what this town is like, what do people like here? The old man says, "Well, you know, what are they? What, are they, what were they like in the last town you were in?" "Oh, they were pretty cool. They were sweet, and supportive. You know, nice people. Had good interactions. Spent a few days there. It was really a good time." And, and the old man says, "Well, yeah, that's what it's like here." And so the guy goes off and. Spends the night in town, and another young man comes along with the same question. Hey, old man, what are, what are people like in this town? The old man says, well, what were they like in the last town you were in? He says, oh, nasty, cheats and thieves. They were vicious. They were brutal. You know, it's just brutal. He said, well, that's what they're like here. We can find whatever we choose to be wherever we choose to go. And we will find... Whatever decisions are made by our minds will run the resonance of our lives. And decisions are always things that come from the past. Carbon-based memory, called body's mind, is nothing but a decision-making device. If I say, don't think about the color of your car, what does your mind do? The average person says, well, it thinks about the color of my car. And my offering is, it's not thinking. All it is, I ask the question, the color of your car, and the, whatever the content is in brain cells resonated, that's anything but thinking. It's just resonance. And if we just, most people run their lives by associative con- consciousness, it's just resonance. This comes along and that resonates and that resonates and then this resonates and that pop, 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 and we become a gravitational field for whatever's popping in us. If I don't like what's popping in me and I apply forgiveness, I get to remove it. Yes, I have to face it, not Dr. feel good. But if I face it and choose, not decide, this, this, decide comes from the word to cut off, suicide, you know, fratricide, maternity. It It comes from the killing off of something. Choice is where you want to live. What do you introduce? Do you introduce the highest level of thought into your mind on a daily basis, the highest level available to you? Or do you go with whatever has been going on for generations and generations and generations? You know, in the ancient scriptures, they said, look to the lives of the fathers, for ours are but a shadow of theirs upon the earth. But your life doesn't have to be a shadow. You don't have to live at whatever level on that tone scale we're talking about your family system lived. You don't have to live there. Now, there are going to be members of your family who aren't very happy that you're not living there, and there are going to be other members of your family that are overjoyed because by doing so, you give them a lift. But you've got to move out of decision-making, the automatic process, don't think about the color of your car, what's the front door of your house look like, what's your favorite item of clothing. All that's just resonance in the mind to where I exercise the spiritual muscle of introducing something new that comes from and through the presence of love in me, I bring that into my mind, I bring that into my physiology, and I do it on such a consistent basis that it becomes my habit. And then I get to live there. It's a powerful place to live. And, you know, Francois Fennel, on that quote I wrote earlier, definitely said, A little bit about what needs to be faced, but, oh, man, what a difference it makes when we wake up and step out of those habits. So, again, if you're out there in listener land, what's on your mind? Which one? Let's have a conversation about it. Call in numbers, 563-999-3581. And here's a, a I, I'm not sure who wrote this, but uh, the question is, who am I? I'm your constant companion. I'm your greatest helper or your heaviest burden. I will push you onward or drag you down to failure. I'm completely at your command. Have of the things you do, Might as well be turned over to me and I will do them quickly and correctly. I'm easily managed, but you must be firm with me. Show me exactly how you want something done, and after a few lessons, I will do it automatically. I am the servant of great people, and alas, of all failures as well. Those who are great, I have made great. Those are failures. I have made failures. I'm not a machine, though I work with the precision of a machine, plus the intelligence of a person. You may run me for profit or run me for ruin. It makes no difference to me. Take me, train me, be firm with me, and I will place the world at your feet. Be easy with me, and I will destroy you. Who am I? I am habit. That was written by John DeLemme. L-E-M-U, pardon me, L-E-M-M-E. John D-I-L-E-M-M-E. Who am I? I am called habit. Powerful to recognize. And our habits tend to run again, in family systems. So if there's work to be done, how cool is that? Pick it up, put it to work, and things rock and roll. So if you're out there in listener land, we've got, oh, about seven minutes left, and I'm complete with my monologue. So if you're out there and you have a thought for us, push one. Let's talk about it. 563-999-3581. We have a hand up. Awesome. Let's say hello.
1: Uh, five four one. It's Ms. Celinda.
3: Yes, it is. You Welcome, today. young lady. I really like that quote. I hope all of these quotes you've done today will end up, of course, with these their links. Thank you, Jeannie, for doing that for us. Um, I really like this last quote about habit. And I realize that I have a habit. ...that I never realized before until I did a worksheet the other day. Right. And um, that habit is that when I lose somebody special, I will tend to keep a relationship with a friend that was involved... ...who was involved in any way with that relationship. Uh, or my daughter, for example, um, because she was my only connection to my first husband...
2: <clears throat> I never
3: realized before, but actually it wasn't, the friendship had mixed motives to it. Yes, I loved the other person or, you know, I cherished the other person or I, right. um, I really liked them, but I didn't realize there was this undergoing agenda that somehow I was linking them as the bridge to someone who had passed on.
4: Uh-huh. Interesting. And
3: or, or that I'd had um, a very uh, strong interest in or a relationship with in my past. And I've noticed how in <clears throat> those relationships that what has uh, uh, ensued, and I'm not totally clear of how I contributed to it in some situations and am in the others, that um they would end up breaking the relationship. And so that's just a new insight I'm having that I'm reflecting on. And uh we'll probably do a worksheet on it soon. <laughs> but I wanted to share that maybe a few. You any... Pardon? Maybe a few I say
4: that yeah, there might be a few worksheets in that in that regard. It sounds like a a pretty Steep dynamic that uh has probably influenced many areas of your life, so that'll be good stuff to bring to the conscious level and, and really yeah, could, know, thoroughly check out,
3: yeah, because I'm just having a realization right now, and that is that if i can if I can catch it for you um, that it sounds like unfinished business with the primary relationship of the person who's passed on in some way or another.
4: Right.
2: <clears throat>
3: and so, um, yeah, I think there will be a few words. Breathing with you. That, unraveled that one. I am breathing. Yeah,
4: breathing with you. Yeah, good.
3: Wow, thank Sweet. You. So I will. I just wanted to share that with you in case you had some insights or have had some thoughts or reflections, or similarities, anything like that, or anybody else out in listener land. Oh, well,
4: no. uh, the, go ahead.
3: Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, one other thought, too, is, you know, biologically, a- in our animal nature, we are communal characters, we are communal citizens. We belong, we we function in community. We're social creatures. So what you were reflecting on, the chaos of today, the insanity of the day, the isolating processes that are going on today within um, ourselves, let alone what we do with each other by isolating them, and I'm thinking of abuse patterns now, um, they... What other, what other conclusion is there if we don't come to terms with that on a conscious level? Yeah. And so I agree with Carl Jung and his uh, assessment or observation about the human dilemma. Yes. Right. Thank you for all of those.
4: Sweet. Well, delighted to be part of your process and to be of support with you. Thank you, by the way, for that package for ARIA and the note and the uh, check with, uh, with the support donation in it. Much appreciated. And uh, the donations that come in at this point are pointed directly to, you'll know exactly where it's going, because they're pointed to putting a new roof on a building at Heartland that's called Eternal Support. So... Many who listen to the show have, have stayed in that building when they've come and been on the support team at Heartland and are getting ready to put a new metal roof on that building. So so thank you for that support. That's what, what it will help pay for. So you'll loan a piece Perfect. of the roof at, on eternal support at Heartland.
3: <laughs> well, it sounds like a very worthy cause.
4: We're rocking on.
3: And I am complete. Thank
4: you, sir. All right, young lady, we appreciate you. Lots of love and blessings. Well, we're down to the last few seconds. So, Miss Jeannie, I'm just going to say thank you, everybody, for joining us. And, uh, Aria Rain, we cherish you. Everybody, have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Bye bye.
1: Thank you for listening to MindShifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet as we present the 1st Century Aramaic Internal Process of Forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on MindShifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic Forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.